Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report, week commencing 20th of May 2019. Okay, I'm going to start this week's report with a question. Why didn't you sell it? I mean, let's be really blunt. The old crop wheat market is absolutely dumped. It at one point reached nearly £200 a tonne, and we're all kings of hindsight, and I can come on here and make this ridiculous comment, but bluntly, at this point, there is too much May wheat hanging around, as we've been talking about for several weeks. The surplus has been pushed into June. The price pressure is immense. It's traded in East Anglia at 154 delivered to Stoke Ferry today, which would equate to about 147x farm without any form of or much of a margin for the merchant yeah it's it's on its backside and at this moment if you need to empty your sheds by the end of june i cannot see any real recovery in that price so technically 140 something pounds a ton is a profit still so we shouldn't be too sad but um, if you have any regrets get over them and get on with selling it if you're prepared to play the I'm going to sell it in July game, there may well be a short rally in the middle of that month for people who are prepared to tie their stores up to that point. Current value, X farm June wheat, 145 July, 147 You might make 150 if you play the game, or maybe 151 or 152 But at what point do you want to be sweeping out the yard just as the new crop trailers are coming in with the first barleys? And... Bluntly, there is a point of getting your stores sorted before we get to harvest, as you all know. So old crop wheat is dumped. Um, New crop wheat on Monday felt as weak as it's been at any point in time. I was actually away and I phoned the office and they told me it had gone down to 138 on the North Futures, which related to 131x farm for November. A very serious moment. Uh, as it happens, the market has rallied about £10 a tonne since because, as we've reported and, and very clearly said on num- a number of occasions, the corn plantings are behind, the weather is wet, and those planting reports that came out sent the, the American market up and everything's followed it. So at this precise moment, we've had a big recovery from its worst moment on new crop, and you can achieve 140x for November for feed wheat again. So a bit of good news. And at this moment, I think actually it continues in that vein. It might not go straight up on Monday morning, but the plantings are still delayed in the States, we believe, and we also believe there's more rally to it. The other question you have to ask is where is the weather in terms of Europe? Where is the weather in terms of Russia? What about other parts of the world? Australia for the first time is importing wheat for five or six years and they're importing some Canadian wheat. That's a sign that they're a bit short but there's reports coming out of Russia saying they're having the biggest crop ever at 80 million tonnes of wheat. Now that in itself is kind of 
do we believe that, don't we? And there's been some fairly hot temperatures out there. So, you know, misinformation, fake news is, is a regular occurrence in international grain trading circles. So I would say the mood at this moment mainly basis the corn crop in the States and their delayed planting is bullish. But I ask you this question, have you had enough rain to see your crop through to harvest? Let's move on to barley and be even more miserable. Old crop, if you have any left, 118x farm, probably-ish, somewhere around there. New crop, we'd pay 115 delivered for harvest into store. Not really fussed if we buy that one or not at the moment. Can't really see a lot of point of buying it into store because you know there's no one giving me any demand further forward but uh, my job is to give you prices there might be someone dead keen out there paying more money i i am yet to spot them barley winter barley well let's talk about old crop malting barley first it's it's dead if you've got any left show it around there might be somebody who's a bit short somewhere but it's all over so new crop a few concerns about key malting barley growing areas in europe so roundly spring Distilling varieties, 160, harvest movement, rough value, and ordinary ran, also ran, spring barley varieties for, for brewing, 150, delivered harvest, somewhere around there. All seed rape, 302 for old crop. What are you doing if you haven't sold it? What exactly are you waiting for? I'm, I'm a very uh, repetitive person on this. You're going to have a store with all seed rape in it. 300 odd pounds a ton you may as well put the money in the bank if you haven't tidied it up and there are one or two who haven't as i say what is it exactly you desire because it isn't going to happen i don't think maybe beyonce will turn up driving the lorry that collects it but i have my doubts uh, a new crop is about the same value uh, we're still friendly to that one we still think there's a problem with the crop coming it's been a long flowering period that may have maybe a good better sign for yields but not convinced by that so we're still friendly to that one Generally now the market, I've talked about the weather, the other influences we we know of is Trump versus China and the rhetoric, the Russian thing I've mentioned, hot and dry, yeah, hot some places, dry some places, too wet some places, has there been enough rain, Is you, you, you can follow your own conscience on that. I personally think the UK wheat crop in East Anglia has not had enough rain largely to see it through obviously i am still nervous and some areas did not get the soaking that other areas did so bragging about rainfall uh, numbers might be making your friends feel a little unwell so just you know maybe be aware of where the rain did actually fall and be grateful if it landed on your farm and i think that's about it there's nothing much more to say except i understand that Theresa may and jeremy corbyn have managed to disagree with each other after several weeks of trying to agree how to say good morning and they have failed so i i'm afraid i don't see much more time for mrs may to sit there and therefore i see a weak pound which is an, another underlying reason why new crop prices are going to stay firm but um we'll have to wait for her agenda on that one uh, and admit that perhaps she might be wrong thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste, and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. 
And now it's time for our feature. So here I am with Bruce Ash at Moongazer Brewery. And Bruce is a beer sommelier, I understand. So you're the first beer sommelier I have met. Can you tell me what exactly your job entails? Uh, well, the job entails taste, tasting beer, obviously, uh, and uh, doing food and beer matching. So, so the whole range of ales, lagers as well. So, yeah, so all the ales from so like the golden beers up to the dark beers and different ABVs, different fruits and different hops and barley that goes into, into everything, really. So that's basically what I do as a beer sommelier. Eh? My main job is obviously brewing beer for Moongazer. And how do you become a beer sommelier? Uh, it, was a, it was about a year course in total, just in bits and pieces. You first had to do a course how to how to uh, actually know different flavours and different tastes of different beers. So the people on the course all sort of knew the same flavours we were trying to pick up. And then we did a um, how to judge beer course as well, which was, you know, again, knowing off flavours and the things you try to look for in different in different beers. Uh, and then we had to roll out a, um, a food and uh, beer matching menu, which I did in the Black Boys in Elsham, and had different beers paired up with different different foods. Uh, rolled that out for a, for a couple of weeks. And then after that, you end up going to back to London and then have a sort of verbal examination where um, the instructor or the uh, examiner would would bring beer to you and you had to sort of find off flavours in it or you had to find out ABVs of beers and they just sort of bring them to you blind tasted. So it was just like had to, you had to know your things and, and what beers would go with different foods. And then the final bit of the course, he brought down two beers. He said, I want to know what beers they were and uh, what country they're from. So he brought down two wheat beers and I could distinguish from the different flavours of the beers if they were German or Dutch. And with that, he said, well, there we are, Bruce, you've, you've now passed. Wow. But it took, you know, it was, it was about a year in, in process, doing bits and pieces. And you had to sort of, do, you had to do a lot of research, which was obviously hard work. It was hard work, you know, obviously buying different beers and tasting beers throughout the whole year. And uh, I did I did various sort of beer and cheese matching as well. I used to sort of bring it to where I worked at the time and we'd do... Know, in the staff room, we'll have a bit, do a bit of that, and I'll do it with friends as well. Then also, like I say, also did it in the Black Boys. So yeah, it was it was fun. Fantastic. <laughs> and what is the idea that you can drink beer like throughout a meal? Then like yeah. you know, like you would wine. Kind well, of thing. that's that was the thing. It was just trying to change people's uh, perception. You don't always have to drink a wine with a beer, and you haven't got to do that with cheese either. You, you know, you can have you can have beer with all these things. There's so many different flavors and different beers these days. From well, there's 50 breweries in this county. For, for starters, we've got all these different breweries to to go at, and you just you know, so many things, so many foods can complement beer and vice versa. That it was just worth doing that rather than just always being with wine, just to change people's perception. Brilliant. So now you work for Moongazer. Can you tell me about how you've influenced the beers and what you're trying to achieve here? Right. So we we've developed new beers, and and the beers which we already had here were all very good, uh, and we sort of done a little odd tweaks here and there. So we'd now do proper tasting panels. So we know the beers are always consistent from one day to the next. They always were quality beers. And then I've also introduced other beers to the range. And it's just maintaining what we've got as well. The great thing about it at Moongazer is that we can do lots of we do lots of different things. So once a month I'll be doing a special. Uh, so since I've been here, I've been here over two years now, I must have brewed at least 25 different beers along with the regular range. Mm-hmm. And, some, and some of these beers do really well and they, and they might continue throughout throughout different seasons or whatever. And others maybe think, well, we'll, we'll put to one side and then bring it back again like a year later. And other ones will go well for one one hit, and then we, we leave it alone. <laughs> we just recently did one for um, the Norwich City promotion called Up, Up, Up. I mean, it sold itself just on the on the fact it was a yellow and green pump clip and it had Up, Up, Up on it. And uh, we did roll it out just before we did get promoted, but you know, it seemed to go well. And uh, I know I spoke to some people in 
uh, some landlords in some pubs in Norwich, and they said, well, we basically put it on, and within half an hour, 72 pints have been gone. Yeah. The whole barrel's gone, just oh, like fantastic. that. So, yeah, and I'm doing a so new beer this week. I'm doing a beer called Mashup, and Mashup's always a fun one to do. We do these quite regularly. It's always a 4.4% beer, but... It's basically me clearing my cupboard. So I've got all this excess malt and hops and I like to put things together and we call it, and we call it a mashup. So it's never the same beer as you put on the pump clip, but it's always 4.4%. So uh, right. that's, that's this week's work. What's your most proud moment as far as beer goes? Like, is there a particular beer you say you like the most? Uh, I think, well, I mean, I mean, all our beers are great. I'll say it again. But, <laughs> <laughs> Keep saying it. but yeah, but the, uh, the Pintail, which is the 3.9% golden beer, is full of... Um, it's all got the Marasota barley in it, but then it's got New Zealand Motueka hops, and I put those hops throughout the whole brew. And it's just a, cre- a very clean, crisp sort of beer, and it's also gluten-free, so it can appeal to more people there as well. So I'm very pleased with that one. Some of the other ones we've created over the, over over time have all been a, quite good fun and very good as well. But uh, there was one we did. Uh, we did. A, we'd done a, a raspberry gold, so we had to put raspberries into the beer, and that and that went wow. well. A few months back, we did a passion. Now that was our first sort of step into a sour beers because sour beers are popular as well. So, uh, yeah, quite a lot of passion fruit went into the beer, and that was a little bit different as well. So, yeah, we you know we do all sorts. I use teas as well. I've used local teas. Have you? Um, uh, so we've used like a, a blood orange tea, which was really which was really nice and really came through as well. So, oh. yeah, do all sorts. Gosh, it's a, it's a taste sensation. Um, so, what is unique about this area for beer? Because I've heard that this particular area is. You know, they call it the Malt Coast or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got well, the barley is grown all around us. So you've got the Marasota barley is a is an old traditional barley which has been always been known as a, as a fantastic uh, brewing barley. Then malt, and obviously it's grown around here. And we also get it malted just down the road at Rybrus, so it's only ten minutes down the road. So, and this barley, this barley just gives the beer something special to it. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's the reason why. Why it's so many so so popular and so many breweries use it? Do you work with specific farmers and estates or types of barley or? Well, it's, it's all Marasota and that's all starts from Banham initially. But I don't know which which farmers actually produce it, but we know it goes to the goes to um, crisps at, at Ryber and that's where we we get it from there. So we use that. We also use another heritage malt sometimes called Chevalier. We add that to our beers, and then I use all different coloured malts to produce what sort of flavour and coloured beer we want. So, uh, from what I understand, being a beer sommelier, some of it is in the description kind of thing, and obviously you've got four basic ingredients for beer, water, malt, hops and yeast, and what's the best way to describe the different outcomes? Like, what words do you use? Well, always always outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) I think you use the words, you know, complex, some of the beers be, when they're quite, you know, when it's maybe a darker beer, and I always like to use, like, clean and crisp sort of beers, like the golden ones, which are... Which are just there, like on a nice summer's day. They're the sort of beers you want. But there's all sorts of different terminology. You know, use the, use the word multi when you know it's going to be quite a more of a multi rather than the hoppy hoppy beers. You know, with the hops, you get a lot of like citrus flavors and lemon and grapefruit and lemongrass and all those sort of things. You know, and the hops also give you some fruit flavors like mango and pineapple. So, you know, you, you can add all these descriptions into your into your beers. And obviously, when you do beer and food matching, you can add extra there as well. And we've noticed that non-alcoholic or very low alcohol beer is suddenly popular obviously yeah. what do you think about those and can you still achieve the taste well if you try adnam's ghost ship uh they're they're not percent or low percent one that's very good they've done they've done that very well for me personally i like to have a beer with alcohol in it so 
and we won't be doing well, the lowest we've done here is probably about a 3.4% beer but if you want to do it properly like like Adams have done you need to invest money to do it and they and they've done it very well but uh I think I'll stick to beer with um with a bit of alcohol in it personally. And what are the other beer trends at the moment? I think you mentioned one. Uh so beer trends at the moment I mean for for several years it's all it's all about the hops you know a lot of right. a lot of a lot of a lot of beers are very hoppy and they try to get all those in get all those hops flavors into the beer but now we see a bit of a trend now i think where it's sort of going back to more balanced beers again uh so that means the malt flavors will come through more i mean there's there's room for everyone right. uh, yeah but i think people are just wanting rather than having always having these sort of really hoppy ones they just want a, i want a nice session beer again so I think that's now coming into play. So uh, the, the range we do, we do have the, the hoppy ones, like our, our white face at 5% and our, our pintail and our golden, but then we have our session ales, which are like our, our jumper at 3.9. It's just a good, very good quality amber, amber beer and a good session beer. And what's the future for Moongazer? Like, um, is there any sort of other plans that are coming through? Well, we're always trying to do different things. We do, you know, we, I mean, for a small brewery, we do a lot. We do all these different ales. We do lagers as well we don't we do we do a four percent and a five percent lager we've just done our first can we've done a ginger lager oh really yeah which is right which is and the ginger comes through we put 30 kilos worth of ginger actually into the beer when we did it wow. uh 20 kilos of that was actually peeled and done here and 10 was dry and there was two people doing it for two days to get it all peeled and all oh, the rest oh, of wow. it so bit bit of a job um we also do, you know, we've got a little kegging machine, so we can do kegs as well. So we try and please all, all customers we can. And we and, all, and what we want to do, we just want to, you know, we don't take try to take over the world, but we do want to grow, and we are growing. And I think with our quality products and the fact that we've got good marketing and and we've had a rebrand of late, so uh, all our beers now are, are hair names, as we're all about the hair. So they're all they're all different hair names, all the beers, and the and the pumpkins have now been redone, so they really do stand out. So yeah, we want to grow, we want to grow, we want to just sort of, you know keep pushing it forward how long has Moongazer been going for so it's now been seven years uh and it started with david and rachel uh holiday and i think when they first took over the barn where we are where we are now they sort of wow how the hell are we ever going to fill all this and then a few years later on it's like well <laughs> it's a bit of a squeeze as you know there's a right. lot there's a lot there's a lot happening so yeah, definitely uh, so when you walk into the black boys then what's what do you order well at the moment it's got my beer in there so i will have a pint of a pint of jumper at the moment, uh, I have to just have to convince Matt to have it more regularly, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Farm chat this week, we were going to have a barbecue, but as God has decided to send us some dull weather with some potential drizzly rain, we figured we'd be getting some happy farmers with the possible rain coming down, uh, but it's cancelled the barbecue. So, our farm chat, we're going to put on ice for a week. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tin Shed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio.